Good morning, everyone. This is Father Nate, missionary priest in Italy. Today is October 1st of 2023, and we're celebrating the 26th Sunday in Ordinary Time. You might also be celebrating the patroness of your church if you're at the Church of St. Therese of the Child Jesus, Virgin and Doctor of the Church. October 1st is her feast day. But if you're not at a place under her patronage, well, then we're just celebrating the 26th Sunday in Ordinary Time. Today's Gospel comes to us from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 21, verses 28 through 32. Jesus said to the chief priests and elders of the people, What is your opinion? A man had two sons. He came to the first and said, Son, go out and work in the vineyard today. He said in reply, I will not, but afterwards changed his mind and went. The man came to the other son and gave the same order. He said in reply, Yes, sir, but did not go. Which of the two did his father's will? They answered, The first. Jesus said to them, Amen, I say to you, tax collectors and prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God before you. When John came to you in the way of righteousness, you did not believe him, but tax collectors and prostitutes did. Yet even when you saw that, you did not later change your minds and believe him. In 1858, a boy was born to a rich family in France. His parents gave him the name Charles, and, although he was baptized Catholic, as a teenager he distanced himself from his faith and fell into vice, living with girlfriend after girlfriend after girlfriend. He often left one without telling her, in order to continue with a new one. He joined the army, but after a short time he was expelled for lack of discipline accompanied by notorious bad conduct, as the letter of expulsion reads. As he himself would later admit, he was a great sinner who seldom thought of God. Nevertheless, one day in 1886, he entered a church and said, God, if you exist, let me know you. Moved by grace, he confessed, and in a well-known letter, he would lie to a friend As soon as I believed that God existed, I understood that I could do nothing else but live for him alone. As soon as I believed that God existed, I understood that I could do nothing else but live for him alone. From that moment on, he became a fervent Catholic. He became a priest, then a monk, then a hermit, and later died as a martyr in the north of Africa. Today, we know him as St. Charles de Foucault. The story of St. Charles de Foucault serves as a concrete example of what today's readings teach us. Through the mouth of the prophet Ezekiel, we heard the Lord promise, But if the sinner turns back from the wickedness he has committed, and does what is right and just, he shall preserve his life. Since he has turned away from all the sins he has committed, he shall surely live, he shall not die. In other words, God is merciful and just and he repays us according to our deeds. St. Paul does warn us that, make no mistake, God is not mocked. A man will reap only what he sows. In the same way, in the second reading, St. Paul tells us to be of the same mind, with the same love, united in heart, thinking one thing. That is, we must all be united in the desire to do good and avoid evil. Paul's asking us to convert and to really begin following Christ, and not simply with our words, but rather, and more importantly, with our actions. 
In the Gospel, Christ presents us with the parable of the two sons. It's a strong parable. It's very forceful because it makes it clear in no uncertain terms what those who claim to have faith in God but don't live according to that faith do. Jesus says, Amen, I say to you, tax collectors and prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God before you. Now, in order to understand this better and to understand our situation before God, let's consider three details from the gospel. First, we have the Father's words. Second, the replies of the sons. And third, Jesus' question at the end. Which of the two did his Father's will? So the Father's words, the Son's words, and Jesus' question. So first, the the Father tells each of his sons, Son, go out and work in the vineyard today. The important word here is son. The Greek word not only implies a relationship of love and affection, but also a total dependence. In other words, everything that those two sons have, they have because the Father's given it to them. He's given them everything, and the only thing he asks of them is to take care of the vineyard. That's it. It's easy to see that the Father in the parable is our Heavenly Father, who, as in a homily attributed to St. John Chrysostom, who created all people and loves them with a fatherly affection. The God who preferred to be loved as a father rather than feared as a Lord, even though he was Lord by nature. On this account, at the beginning of the commandments of the law, he did not say, you shall fear the Lord with all your heart, but you shall love the Lord with all your heart. To elicit love is not characteristic of a Lord, but of a father. So interesting, interesting thought there attributed to John Chrysostom. And we see here that the father in the parable, out of love, asks his children to help him. It's like St. John says in his first letter. He says, For the love of God is this, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. If we think that following God's commandments or doing his will or doing what he asks is something hard or difficult or burdensome, it's because we're not loving him with all our hearts. Well, this leads us to the replies of the two sons. Knowing that their father loves them, knowing that everything they have is from him, nonetheless, the first son says, yes, sir, but doesn't go. Think about it. That's a little weird of a response. He tells his dad, yes, sir. The response is formal. It's respectful. In fact, it's too respectful, too distant. The son isn't thinking about the love that his father has for him, or what he could do out of love for his father. On the contrary, this son sees everything as an obligation, and if he can avoid it, so much the better. And that's precisely what he does. He says he'll go, but since he really doesn't love his father, in the end he stays put. Now the other son replies to the father in a very short, very rude way. I will not. Although perhaps a better translation would be, I don't want to, or I have no desire. Nevertheless, later on, he changed his mind and went. Now, we're not told why or nor when, but what's important is that something touched his heart. And in spite of that initial rejection, he went to do what his father had asked of him. We can suppose that his heart was touched by grace and maybe the example of his father's love. Finally, Jesus asks his listeners, which of the two did his father's will? If we really think about it, truth be told, neither of them did the father's will. The first said he would go, but didn't. 
The second said no. He let some time pass. And only then, later, did he go. But that lost time, that short, rude answer, isn't what mattered. What mattered is that, in the end, after a bad decision, he decided to obey his father. And Jesus tells us that this is what permits him to enter God's kingdom. The parable is the story of our lives. Sometimes we separate ourselves from God, or sometimes we don't do what he asks of us. But he's always there, waiting for us to return. We can think that and when, we do, when we finally come back, we imitate the great saints, St. Charles de Foucault, St. Augustine, St. Mary Magdalene, and many more. The obligation that we have is to want to change our lives and to put into practice all the means at our disposal to really bring about a conversion. If I don't put those means into action, then I really don't love God as a good child, and I really don't desire to convert. St. Paul tells us that God wills everyone to be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth. That's what God wants, but if we don't try with all our hearts to change our lives for the better, we won't be saved. God doesn't throw anyone down into hell. Those who end up there throw themselves in. To go to hell is a choice, the choice not to do God's will in order to do my own and not convert. Again, God doesn't throw anyone down into hell. Those who end up there, and visions like those at Fatima tells us that they are many, throw themselves in. Conversion can't wait. We don't know how much time we have left to live in this world. We just don't know. We have to take advantage today of the graces that the Lord offers us. Be that in confession, in getting married in the church, be it in whatever way he's calling us to himself. God wants all to be saved, and this because he loves us. Through the intercession of Mary, Queen of Heaven, let's ask for the grace of true conversion, to work with a God who loves us so much that he sent his only son to die for us.